Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to add a health disclaimer. The information presented in this podcast is not medical advice, and this episode is for informational purposes only. Consult with your child's pediatrician for any medical issues or questions you may have. Hello and welcome to Genius Little Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeleine Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls, ages seven, five, and three, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important, so on each episode of Genius Little Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home, and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant detachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD, and childhood depression, intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast, it's that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is, help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. Does your child have a lot of opinions about what foods they will and won't eat? Mealtimes with young children can be incredibly frustrating because they have short attention spans, don't like the food you're serving, or just won't eat much, or at all for that matter. So what can you do to make mealtimes more manageable for you and your preschooler? First, let's talk about sensory differences. You may not like to hear it, but your child may process sensory information differently than you. Food that's the right temperature for you might be too hot for them. Or a dish that smells delicious to you may smell gross to them. The same thing goes for texture. Your child might prefer hard, crunchy foods and loathe eating soft, squishy foods or vice versa. And since food changes as we chew it, oranges, for example, leak juice when we chew them, sometimes children struggle with that. I'm sure you also have foods that you like and dislike. Maybe you love spicy food while your friends or partner can't tolerate it. Maybe you used to loathe Brussels sprouts, but once you tried them with bacon, your mind changed. So what's a parent or caregiver to do? How are you supposed to feed your child nutritious, healthy meals while also recognizing they probably don't have the palate of an adult? What your child eats and mealtime routines will vary, of course, based on where you live. In France, for example, lunches are multiple courses, My American listeners might be stunned to hear this, but yes, French schools serve four courses at lunch, even for young kids who start school at age three. 
A school lunch in France will consist of a vegetable starter, some sort of a salad. Then they're served a warm main course, usually with a side of veggies or grains. Next comes a cheese course. And last is dessert, which is usually a piece of fresh fruit. Doesn't that sound heavenly? Of course, fresh baguette is also served. No surprises there. Kids drink water with their meals. No juice boxes or chocolate milks. French schools have a national ban on junk food and vending machines. In Japan, students are typically served a meat or fish dish with rice, soup and a salad. This is very different from American school lunches, which may be a slice of pizza or a sandwich. Feeding practices will undoubtedly vary from culture to culture, and you hold food-related beliefs whether you're conscious of them or not. Some families have food restrictions due to religious affiliations. Others observe fasting rituals. Culture plays a huge role in when and what we feed our families. But no matter where you live, I have some tips for you to try if you're struggling with your preschooler at mealtimes. Let's take our first lesson from the French. Taste is an acquired skill, and it can be taught. The first tip is to be patient with your child about trying new foods, but continue to encourage them to do so. Research shows that it may take a dozen tries before children accept a new food. A dozen tries! So introducing new foods into your child's diet truly is a marathon, not a sprint. Continue to offer foods your child has rejected in the past. Put the new, unfamiliar food on the table so they see you eating and enjoying it. Over time, they'll get used to seeing this food in your meal rotation and you can try serving them some. I know we're taught to not play with our food, but you can encourage your child to touch and taste the new food. Once they're more comfortable with that, encourage them to chew and swallow it. Don't be discouraged by rejections. They're not rejecting you or your cooking, even though it may feel like that. Often, it just takes children a while to warm up to a new food. The second tip is to have your child help you with meal preparation. Yes, it may take longer and yes, it may require more cleanup, but children are more likely to try something if they're involved in the process. I recognize this is more effort on your part, but it may lead to calmer, more enjoyable meal times for the whole family. Let them tear lettuce to make the salad or put shredded carrots in a bowl, for example. If you can involve your child in the process by letting them pick out a recipe, select some of the ingredients at the store, and even help with age-appropriate food prep, they will be more likely to touch, smell, and yes, eat their food once it's made. The third tip is this. If your child really doesn't want to eat something, don't force them to eat it. I know, food refusal is incredibly frustrating. It's a waste of your money and your time, not to mention a waste of food. But do your best to stay calm. It's your job to do your best to prepare and provide healthy food for your child. It's not your job to force them to eat it. I also recognize that this tip comes from a place of privilege and not everyone has this luxury, especially for those who experience food insecurity. But in general, we want to avoid forcing a child to eat a food or clean their plate before they leave the table. This puts pressure on your child and makes mealtime stressful. Children should learn to eat when they are hungry and stop when they are full. If your child doesn't want to eat their dinner, let them know they can eat at the next regular snack or meal time. It might be counterintuitive to let your child have control over how much they're eating, but it's important they learn to recognize their bodily cues of being hungry or full. The fourth tip is to talk about the sensory experience of eating. You can say things like, this food is crunchy or this food is chewy. This lends language to your child's experience and helps them understand what's going on when they're eating different things and experiencing different sensations. 
The fifth tip is to avoid using food as a reward. You don't want to teach your children that veggies are a nasty punishment while sweets are a nice reward. When you use food as a reward or punishment, you're unwittingly undermining healthy eating habits. You're also teaching your children it's okay to eat when they aren't hungry as a reward for accomplishing something. They may start associating certain foods with certain moods. For example, if they repeatedly get an ice cream cone after getting shots at the doctor, they may start associating having a treat after doing something unpleasant. This may lead to counterproductive patterns later in life. You can offer other kinds of rewards that don't relate to food if you want to reinforce good behavior. Try offering an extra bedtime story or a play date with a friend instead. We all know the importance of eating a healthy and balanced diet. Maybe you've heard you should make your plate colorful so you get nutrients from a variety of sources. The Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health has made a blueprint to help you decide what to serve your child. They say that half of your child's plate should be filled with colorful fruits and veggies and the other half should be split between protein and whole grains. Whole grains can still spike blood sugar, so be mindful of how much bread, pizza or pasta you and your child are eating. The Harvard Blueprint also says to limit red meats like pork, lamb and beef and avoid processed meats altogether. But I think you'll be hard-pressed to find an American family that doesn't serve hot dogs or turkey sandwiches to their child, or a German family that doesn't serve sausages. So ultimately, you'll need to make a meal plan that fits with your family and culture. Remember, you decide what is served, where and when, but your child gets to decide which of the offered foods they'll eat and how much. Your preschooler's appetite will vary day to day, so try not to worry too much if they eat like a bird one day and the next they're eating a lot. Discuss any weight or dietary concerns with your child's pediatrician. Stick to a schedule as best you can so your child knows when to expect to eat. Whether or not you believe in snacking throughout the day is also largely based on culture. French children rarely snack, for example, but that may be partially because they're served such a large nutritious lunch. American children may be used to grazing throughout the day or having one or two scheduled daily snacks. Have your child sit down while they eat to reduce the risk of choking. Teach them not to run, play or lie down with food in their mouth. As always, now is the portion of the podcast where I take caller questions. On every episode, we hear from parents from all over the world in the hopes that will help you get some clarity on how to support your child. Hello, Dr. Vieira. This is Jana, and I'm calling from Lugano in Switzerland. My son is five, and he's refused dinner for multiple nights in a row now. Normally, I'm pretty relaxed about his eating habits. I offer healthy options and try to stay calm when he says he isn't angry or only nibbles. But the flat-out refusal for multiple nights is unusual for him. Is this type of behavior cause for worry? My partner thinks we should try to bribe him and offer rewards if he eats. But I'm worried that will get us in a bad cycle. What are your thoughts? Hi, Jana. Thanks for calling in with your question. A sudden change in a child's behavior can be worrisome, so I'm happy to give you some advice. 
first, you should make sure that there's no physical issue at play. Could he have a stomach virus or some other sickness? You might decide that it's best to have him evaluated by his pediatrician just to be on the safe side. Once you've ruled out a physical problem, you can look at behavioral or developmental causes. Children experience fluctuations in their appetite, and it's completely normal. The body can grow in spurts and then slow down for a while, which causes periods of intense hunger followed by a relative lack of appetite. So it may just be a phase that passes after a while. In the meantime, using rewards or bribing him is not the best course of action. You should still have him sit with you at the dinner table, but forcing him to eat will likely foster a negative relationship with food. Try to limit snacking before and after meals so that he's more likely to be hungry at mealtime. Remaining calm will prevent the situation from escalating and will help it resolve quicker if it's just developmental. Try to offer one food at each meal that you know he will enjoy but is still healthy. Seeing something safe on the plate can help children feel okay with also eating with also eating foods they are less familiar with. If this issue continues for several weeks, it may be good to have your son talk to a mental health professional. They will work to pinpoint the exact problem and then offer strategies to address the issue. Hi there, my name is Sina. I'm not familiar and I live in Abu Dhabi. My daughter just started at a new school. Um, she's four. The teacher called me yesterday to let me know that she's not eating uh, during the day. I realized that starting a new school is a big adjustment. But of course, I'm concerned. I want her to get enough to eat throughout the day. Should I... Uh, should I serve her large snack after school or a larger dinner? Mm. I figure it's just an anxiety and she will settle in. But any insight into how to get her to eat at school is much appreciated. Zina, thanks for sharing your concerns with me. The transition into school is a big one, especially if your child hasn't attended daycare or another formal learning environment before. It is very likely that the problem is just nerves, like you said. This lunchroom may be loud, which makes her nervous, or she may be trying to keep up with the conversations around her instead of eating. If this is the problem, it will resolve itself with time. You can talk to your daughter to see if you can further pinpoint exactly what the problem is. Is it nerves? Is the food messy and she's worried about spilling in front of her new friends? Is some of the packaging difficult for her to open? and she doesn't want to ask for help, once you know what the problem is, you can work with her teachers to help solve it. It sounds like they're willing to help, which is wonderful. Make sure that you're feeding her a filling, nutritious breakfast that will keep her full as long as possible. An after-school snack is common if there is a gap of time between school and dinner. If there's not much time between when she arrives home and dinner, waiting for dinner may be better. You could let her have as many helplings of dinner as she needs to feel full. If the problem persists weeks into the school year, you will likely want to look for a bigger problem. She should be evaluated by her pediatrician to rule out a physical cause, though if she's eating fine at home, this is unlikely. You could then schedule her an appointment with a mental health professional to further dig into her anxiety with eating. The therapist will help her process through her feelings and overcome them. 
Hi, Dr. Vieira. I'm Brad. I have two kids, a four-and-a-half-year-old and a, a seven-year-old. We generally don't make a big deal out of sweets. We don't talk about them like they're the enemy or anything, but we don't talk about them like they're very special either. We generally try to eat fruit as an after-dinner treat, but I'm also fine with my children eating a cookie or a slice of cake every once in a while. So my seven-year-old doesn't have much of a sweet tooth, but my four-and-a-half-year-old is incredibly fixated on sugary foods. She's always asking for them. Mommy, can I have a donut? Mommy, can we make a cake? Mommy, I want chocolate. I mean, the only reason she tolerates piano lessons is because her teacher gives her a piece of candy afterward. When we play pretend and have tea parties at home with her stuffed animals, everything always revolves around serving cake. Is it normal for her to be so fixated on junk food? I'm really worried that she's going to develop an unhealthy relationship with food because of it. Hi, Brad. Thanks for sharing your question. Isn't it interesting how our children's preferences can be so different? Comparing your two children just goes to show that each child requires unique parenting. Luckily, you're not the first parent to encounter a child that loves sweets. Many children go through a phase of wanting sweet treats all the time. These feelings can be triggered by a number of factors. Most often, children seek out sugar either because sweets feel restricted or because sweets are used as a bribe. You mentioned that the piano teacher is using sweets as a reward for completing a lesson. While there's nothing inherently wrong about this, it may reinforce the idea to your daughter that sweets are a reward to strive for. There are a few strategies that you can try to change your daughter's thinking around sweets. You can try offering sweets more often. Now, I know that what you're thinking, that sounds counterintuitive. However, if your daughter knows that she will receive sweets often, she's less likely to ask for them all the time. She can stop worrying about when she will get to have a treat again. You can also make it clear when she asks for sugary treats, when they will be available for her. Instead of just saying no, say not right now, but we can have a cookie after dinner. You are in charge of what foods are accessible and when, but you can keep her informed to help limit the questions. Our children also need to learn how to self-regulate with sugar. There may be occasions when you can let her eat as much sugar as she wants, maybe for a holiday. She will quickly learn how her tummy doesn't feel so good when she eats too much candy. From this, she will learn to limit her intake so that she can still feel good. Learning from experience is far more impactful for children than any lecture we as parents can give. Try to remain neutral about whatever food your daughter chooses to eat or not to eat. If we give sweets more attention and energy, our children will only want them more. Getting your child to eat at mealtimes can be tough. I hope this episode made you feel less alone with your struggles. Here are three key points to remember about feeding your preschooler. One, when your child says the food you're serving is too hot or smells bad, chances are they're not trying to insult you. They're just letting you know their sensory experience is different from yours. Try not to take it as criticism. Two, if your child is refusing to try new foods, know that you're not alone. Research shows that children might need to be introduced to a food a dozen times before they'll accept it and eat it without complaints. Keep trying. Three, it's your job to offer your child healthy, nutritious food options. It's not your job to force them to eat it. You get to decide what you're serving when and where meals are eaten. You don't get to decide if your child is hungry or full. I hope you found today's episode on feeding your preschooler informative and helpful. 
thank you so much to all of my listeners for tuning into Genius Little Minds podcast over the course of the year. I have enjoyed hearing your individual stories and I'm honored you shared a little corner of your world with me. This will be the final episode, which is bittersweet, but I'm also excited to announce that I recently had three out of six books of my book series come out in November. The next three books will come out throughout the course of 2023. The I'm Afraid Anxiety Disorder series teaches children to manage their anxiety symptoms through engaging storytelling and beautiful imagery. Please visit my website, www.drmadelineviera.com forward slash books forward slash I'm afraid for more information and to order. I hope you all enjoy the rest of your year and have a lovely holiday season. Thanks for listening.